What is going on, everyone? Welcome to episode eight of the Big Fly Pod with your co-host, Christian Myers and myself, Ty Lewin. What else is there to do than recap this insane free agency so far? We're going to go through each division, go by each team that made a pretty significant move, talk about maybe some of the other moves that have happened throughout the division, but most importantly is really kind of recapping what's happened and maybe what might be the plan for each of these teams as they roll through 2023 into the future years beyond. But I think we got to check in with Christian because, you know, tough work week so far. Guys grinding, recording late. Dude, how we doing? We all right? Dude, we're hanging in there. We, you covered it pretty well. It has been <laughs> a rough week, but I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to get into it and talk about what has been going on in the league because we have had some huge signings, some surprising signings, and some signings that I think we all saw coming, but a lot of big names popping off the board after winter meetings. Yeah, folks, we aren't posting the videos just yet because we are trying to figure out how to do this whole podcast thing, but Christian right now is in a dress shirt, hair slicked back. The guy is rolling, came off a tough day, and hopefully has some big takes here on what happened here with each of the moves for your, uh, each of these teams. But as I mentioned, folks, we're going to go division by division. We're going to start with the AL West, okay? And we're not going to go by the biggest moves to start because I think each team has their own little significant move that we can kind of tally off of and see where this kind of transfers to the future of each of these individual teams. So in, we'll start with the AL West. We're going to start with the AL, and then we'll move over to the NL later. But starting with the AL West, Mariners make a pretty big trade in reference to where this team is going and how they're trying to sustain their plan of almost like this whole Julio gets paid approach, everybody else kind of is brought in to fulfill their own roles, right? So Colton Wong is acquired from the Milwaukee Brewers for Jesse Winker and infielder Abraham Toro, okay? So looking at the stats for Wong in 2022, 251, 339, and 430 slash line, 15 homers, 24 doubles, 47 RBIs. Mind you, he is a two-time Gold Glove winner over there at second base. Um, ultra, ultra successful in, in in St. Louis before he went over Milwaukee. Looking at that infield now, Christian, we got Ty France over at first. We got Colton Wong at second base. Adam Frazier is a free agent, by the way, folks. He is uh, still in free agency. Shortstop, J.P. Crawford. Third baseman, Yuenio Suarez. Your perspective, dude. I mean... Are we seeing a major upgrade here? Are we seeing something where this team can now take over the Astros that are kind of still sitting around waiting to make some moves? Yeah, we talked about it on an earlier podcast that we knew Seattle needed a second baseman. And I think I mentioned that I thought they might try and go after one of these bigger shortstops and move him to second base. But making this trade for Wong is awesome. I mean, they've already made some trades to boost up the outfield. So they are able to trade an outfielder like they did with Winker and bring in what could be an all-star second baseman for them this year. And I think that they just keep making all these moves to put themselves in a position to try and dethrone the Astros from that AL West throne that they've been sitting on over the last however many years. Yeah, because I mean, it's right now the Shros really haven't made any major moves. 
The Rangers are the ones that are just throwing money at whatever, obviously, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. So it really seems like from the AL perspective, if you're a team that is not willing to pay for next year, you better have a heck of a prospect coming up to fulfill some of the holes that you have in your positions, or you're not even going to sniff the playoffs. And so really excited to see what the Mariners can do. I think either one of us, I can't remember, Christian, if we had the Mariners winning the World Series. I think I might, I think I might have predicted that. Um, So I apologize, folks, but. It just seems like the Mariners are starting to put themselves in a position that if they're able to have that starting rotation work out, man, this could get this could get really, really interesting moving into 2023. Moving on to the Rangers. Obviously, one of the biggest storylines in the entire free agency, Jacob DeGrom, five-year, $185 million, 37 AAV. On also the starting rotation topic, they sign Andrew Heaney to a two-year deal with 25 mil. Could be up to 40 million with bonuses. So now you're looking at a starting rotation right now. You got Jacob DeGrom, your number one, obviously. Martin Perez, your number two. Big-time qualifying offer guy that a lot of people thought that he would go to free agency and kind of be in that same portfolio as Carlos Rodon. John Gray, number three, former Rocky. Then the four and five is up for grabs with Andrew Heaney. Jake Odorizzi, and Dane Dunning, who came over in the Lance Lynn deal when he was traded over from uh, the White Sox. So from your perspective, Christian, one, okay, we have with the Rangers, they have a couple different pitching prospects that are coming up, obviously with the Jack Leiter uh, signing or the the draft pick a couple years ago. They got a couple guys in the system right now. The lineup is starting to come together, of course, with those major signings that happened last year and the prospects that they have coming up. Your position on the whole Degrom deal? Well, I've I've always said I think that anybody who pays for Degrom is going to be making a bit of an overpay because you always have to factor in that he is hurt almost every year and never throws the full year. But with a pitcher of that caliber and just a player of that caliber in general, you're kind of willing to go ahead and spend that money to get him because of how good and how dominant he is when healthy. So with the Rangers, I I love that you mentioned Jack Leiter coming up because that's so big for them. And now having the starting rotation that they do as of today, you give Leiter a little bit more time to kind of grow in and not have to rush him all the way up. Um, to the major league level. And then they also have, I believe, Kumar Rocker in their farm yes, system yes. as well, sure who do. was Leiter's teammate at Vanderbilt and, you know, had his debacle with the Mets that one year, but then came back last year and got the deal with the Rangers. And so that pitching staff is going to be really exciting. And with the Grom there for so long, you know, if Perez walks away, you fill that hole with one of those younger guys and, so you're looking at a pretty good rotation, at least in your top two or three uh, over the next four or five years, which is incredible. Yeah, because you, now you can kind of plug and play, right? Because Perez, you know, let's say he has another great year. Obviously, you're not going to want to resign him because that's going to be too much money. So then now you open up that paycheck, right? Because I think, and this will kind of be the story of a lot of these teams over as this uh, podcast goes on, the big, obviously, player for next year is going to be Shohei. 
And I'm not saying that the Rangers are going to have the money to pay him because he's probably going to be $50 million based on the numbers that we've seen so far with some of the other players and what his value is. But you start to see how these teams are starting to implement some of their portions of their depth charts with the ability to plug and play. And so if you look at this, I think John Gray is either on, I think Gray's got maybe two, three years left. Perez, obviously a qualifying offer guy, so he's done after next year. Odorizzi's a two-year, I think a one-year guy. Um, and then, of course, Andrew Heaney being a two-year guy, I think he has a, I think they're a team option as well. Besides the, all those notes, it's just the fact that this team, which a lot of people saw, is like, why are they signing Seager, Seager to a big deal? Why are they signing Simeon, uh, Simeon to a big deal? Like, why are they doing all this? I think that they're trying to see is, what can we get from a top-level standpoint? And what can we plug and play? Because we haven't had this in quite some time since they were in the World Series against the Cardinals in 2011, right? I mean, it's where have they kind of been uh, or or against, you know, when they played the Blue Jays in the playoffs there a couple of years ago, but it's just been like kind of like where are the Rangers going with all this? I think that the ground signing is honestly a great thing because now guys are like, okay, I can go there. I don't have to be the number one guy. I can be number two, number three. And then bam, now we got something really, really special if DeGrom all of a sudden, one of those five years that he has that deal if he tops off and has an, a Cy Young year, I think the deal's worth it. I don't know. I mean, I know you said that you don't think so, but what are your thoughts there? No, if he can stay healthy and pitch the whole season, obviously, yeah, it's worth it, absolutely. I mean, you're looking at a guy who has one of the best ERAs in baseball every single year, even though his win-loss record is not as great as you would think it is, that – I mean, doesn't really have anything to do with DeGrom because he pitches in two one one nothing ball games all the time and his teams just can never hit. But now with the Rangers, they might have some guys who can do a little bit of damage in the lineup. And another prospect that uh Josh Jung from Texas Tech, who's seen some big league time a little bit, he's a really exciting prospect too to watch down there. And I think yeah, Texas is another team that they're all coming after Houston and they're coming after it hard. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking right now. So you got some of the starting pitchers that are in the free agent agency class for uh, 2024. Uh, after next year, so you have Carlos, Carlos Carrasco, you have you Dar- uh, Darvish, excuse me, Jack Flaherty, Lucas Giolito, Sonny Gray, you got Clayton Kershaw still, Lance Lynn's a club option. But and, and Herman or Marquez, obviously an amazing pitcher there from Colorado. So I mean, there is that plug and play option for them. But again, I think you're right, Christian. Where it's like Jack Leiter can be legitimately their number two here, potentially even next year or the year after, depending on his development. So really interested to see what happens there. Otherwise, than that, the since our last podcast in the AL West has been sort of quiet. The Angels had signed reliever Carlos Estevez from Colorado for a two-year deal. And then the Oakland Athletics signed utility man. Uh, I, I'm really going to screw up his name here, Christian. I apologize. Aledis, Aledmus Diaz. Is that how you say it? I always screw yeah. up his name. That's yeah, there we go. I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. And third baseman, Jace Peterson, to both two-year deals. AL Central time. Okay, so the White Sox, they signed Mike Clevenger to a one-year deal for 12 mil. Okay, so now that solidifies their 2023 rotation. You got with Dylan Cease, Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, Michael Kopech, and of course, Mike Clevenger. So Clevenger, in my opinion, 
from looking at their their staff right there, I see him as either he's going to be the four or five, depending on how Kopech does in 2023. I'd like to see him be more of the five based on the sole fact that he had a rough year this last year. A lot of people are down on him in reference to you know having that major Tommy John surgery and having all those issues. Having a rough year, I think you let Kopech be your number four. You throw Clevenger as your number five, so he doesn't have to withstand more innings than potentially he needs to, and maybe he might pop off, right? So right now, looking at last year with the White Sox, they had Johnny Cueto. Cueto was 8-10 and 10 with a 3-3-5 ERA, a 1-2 whip, 158 innings pitched, over 100 Ks. Clevenger, 7-7, seven and seven, 433 ERA, only 114 innings pitched, in 91 Ks with a 1.2 whip as well. So when it comes to that starting rotation, the White Sox from the standpoint of a lot of my friends that are White Sox fans and a lot of the media that I see, a lot of people are pointing at the White Sox and say they don't spend, right? And I and I understand not that you know them not sending Jose Abreu, them not sending Harper a couple of years ago, not them not sending Machado. It's been a lot of concern in regards to what that ownership group is trying to do from the standpoint of budgetary, right? But from your standpoint, Christian, I, I think that why why try and go after when you have guys that are going to be needing to be paid here in a few years, like Giolito, for example, like why try and go sign a three to four year guy when you can find a guy who might be might just be able to pop off? Like, you know, I know there's that kind of devil's advocate approach with this, but from my perspective, I don't see this as a bad as a bad signing whatsoever. No, it's always interesting to see what the White Sox will do. But with that division being as wide open as it is and up for grabs, you could keep the guys that you have in the organization right now who have been there for a couple years and made that playoff run two years ago, three years ago, um, who are a lot of those guys are still there. Now with losing Abreu, you have, a first rounder from a few years ago in Andrew Vaughn that you just plug in right there at first base. And that opens up the outfield a little bit, which is where we saw him play quite a bit the last couple of years. And I don't, I don't really see a need to necessarily go make a big move when the division is shaping up how it's shaping up right now. And not, no other teams are really doing anything um, within it to keep it wide open. And so you don't have to, but I understand from a fan perspective, obviously you want to see a team that is on the cusp of being so good, go out and get that one guy that you put into the middle of your lineup that makes it that much better and gives you a better shot to seal the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Cause right now the white Sox, uh, a lot of the rumors are that they're trying to go after the outfielders, obviously like Andrew Benatendi, trying to get a guy like um, Brandon Nimmo. And so from the standpoint of the White Sox, I I see them being like, hey, we just got to find one more guy to fill this pitching rotation. Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn, in my opinion, are not going to have the years they had last year. They'd had down years. They weren't very successful. They were dealing with a lot of injuries. Supposedly, Giolito was doing a training regimen that wasn't necessarily something that he's done in the past. He's trying some things differently. And I think that if he's able to get back to what he was doing, uh, you know, those prior years, of course, with that almost that AL Cy Young year he had in 2021, low key a team that can kind of be a sleeper and come out of nowhere in a division like you mentioned, Christian, where it's not necessarily a division that is has a top 
you know level team. It's a lot of middle of the road teams that they can get in the playoffs. As we saw with the Phillies, you just really never know what can happen, especially if they find a couple pieces here to add here in the free agency or even towards the trade deadline in 2023. So going now on to the Guardians. Okay, they signed Josh Bell, which I actually love this signing, to two-year deal for $33 million, Okay. Josh Bell played in in the last six years. I saw the stat today, Christian. I thought it was really cool. He's played in 93% of the games in the last six years for the teams he's played for, for the Nats, the um, Padres, and the Pirates. Pretty wild stat. The Guardians, in reference to this past year, really didn't deal with a lot of injuries, didn't deal with really a lot of issues, and were able to withstand that whole year to pull away from the Twins and White Sox so a lot of teams, a lot of people were like, "How how in the world are the, are the Guardians figuring this out?" Well, they stayed healthy. They had a really high quality bullpen. They had a really good pitching staff, and from their offensive perspective, they kept everything the same, which was on base percentage. Let our top guys do their thing, but our bottom of the lineup is going to do damage as well. So now, with adding Josh Bell, you now add obviously either a first baseman or DH with Josh Naylor. Stats-wise, Josh Naylor and Josh Bell had similar stats there in 2022. Bell kind of – so Bell's perspective, or stat line last year, very, very good start to the year with the Nationals. Got off to, I think, a, it was a – let's see here. He had a um, 301 batting average with 14 bombs in 103 games with the Nationals. Then went over to the Padres. Obviously, with the Padres, they had Brandon Drury. Solid, solid bat. It's hard to come over and now be a dominant force as we saw with a guy like Juan Soto. So now as we move into 2023, now they have this per, this absolutely dominant hitter when it comes to a guy that now you can plug into a position, either from DH or first base, but it's going to give him consistency. And I think they're going to keep him from the entire year. I don't see this being a trade piece whatsoever, especially if the Guardians are trying to win the division. So from your perspective, Christian, like, do you see Bell being potentially the biggest part of this offense here in 2023, or are you seeing this as potentially just a kind of a piece that they've added? I think he's more of a piece that they've added. I mean, Cleveland hit pretty well last year, but one of the things that they did too, especially at that first base position, is they did a lot of playing the matchups, meaning, you know, if a lefty was thrown, they'd play a guy who hit right handed. And if a righty was thrown, they'd play a guy who hit left handed over there. And Josh Bell obviously is a switch hitter. So like you said, with the consistency that allows not only Bell, but it allows that whole team now to have a guy who's going to be there every single day and always right in the heart of that lineup, because you don't have to worry about playing matchups when you have a switch hitter in the lineup. And so I think Francona is really going to use that to their advantage. And I think it's a great supplemental piece to a lineup that showed a lot of promise last year already. Yeah. Because right now, if you're looking at the division, the White Sox are pretty much your other competitor, unless the Twins sign Correa, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be pretty much Guardians versus White Sox. And I think that the Indians are saying, what do we need to do to beat the White Sox? And I think that they're going to they're adding that offensive uh, piece of their game that's going to be beneficial. So great points there. Uh, other AL Central move, or the other AL Central move that is just really, really minor, something that probably we'll joke about is that I see that the Tigers signed Tyler Boyd to one-year deal, a guy that I wish had figured it out because he seems like actually a pretty fun pitcher. It's just like he's just in Detroit, and <laughs> I don't know what you're supposed to do 
when you're in Detroit these days. So that's the other AL Central move. Yeah, I know you want to talk about that for the next 30 minutes, but we're going to avoid that. Big move. On the AL East, okay, biggest news of the entire day, the 6.05 a.m. Mountain Standard Alert. I got on my phone this morning that I texted Christian jokingly say this is the most boring notification I've gotten throughout this entire free agency so far. Aaron Judge to the Yankees. Nine-year deal, $360 million, $40 million AAV. We jokingly talked about this before the podcast, Christian. There's really not much to talk about because a lot of people, I was watching like MLB Network, for example, and Mark DeRosa was saying, oh, now they're now they're a better team. I get what he's saying because now the team knows that this is something that moving forward that they have. But a lot of the guys on their team are guys that are potentially going to be done here within the next few years. Anthony Rizzo, Giancarlo Stanton, some of these other guys. You know, DJ LeMayu, you know, it's, I get what he's saying. I just, I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on it? Like, I don't, I guess it's kind of like what, I don't know why he did it. Is it more of a ego thing where it's like, I want to be a part of the Yankees dynasty that might happen? Like, I don't really understand the move. I really don't. I don't understand why that he decided to go back to New York. I mean, he's he's the face of the franchise, really, you know, and obviously coming off the year that he comes off of, that's the guy that everybody's looking at in that whole organization now. Um, you know, you'll never you'll never be as big as Jeter out there, obviously, but still with Aaron Judge, I mean, the 62 home runs, the MVP award, you know, he's, he's the guy that you want to have in the lineup, plays great outfield, um, you know, you, you, if you're the Yankees, you have to bring him back. You can't let the face of your franchise walk away, especially after the year that he just had. And for Judge, I mean, what a great time to go have that kind of a year when you're in your contract year and you know you're going to get paid based off what you do in the year prior. So with the the nine-year deal, I mean, the Yankees know that, you know, probably the light latter half of that contract, they're going to be – eating the cost big time because you can't expect him to sustain the performance that he had. But for the next, you know, four or five years, I think 40 home runs every year is not, not a crazy thought. So good move there for the Yankees for judge. I mean, just stay where you're at, where you already have all your rapport with the fans and the organization and everybody. Um, So I actually think it's a win-win all around. Yeah, one of the things that I saw that was really interesting today from uh, just some of the reporters that were kind of giving the what the scenario was and everything was that supposedly Aaron Judge had a phone call last night with Hal Steinbrenner basically saying, hey, I want to come to the Yankees, but the Giants or these other teams have contracts for me that are exceeding what you're going to give me by $100 million or close to that. And so Hal basically was going to come out with, or basically what came out was that Hal said that, okay, what do you want in order to be a Yankee? Because it sounds like you want to be a Yankee. They got to the number with the $360 million and that's what happened. And then I saw some other takes that were basically that Aaron Judge supposedly came to the winter meetings and was there. And a lot of people thought that was a move that he was using to, hey, 
Yankees, I'm here. I'm going to talk to other teams. I want to I want to show you that you're not necessarily the only player in reference to all of this going on. So from my perspective, Christian, I I wish that this was something that where I felt like it was um like where the Yankees are now on the right path. The reason why I say that is is because of the players, they have a lot of older players. Congratulations, you made the ALCS last year, but a lot of these other teams are starting to make moves that are significant. Or they're going to put themselves in better positions for the the foreseeable future. Now, for free agency next year, do they go out and get Shohei? That changes everything. Do they get Rodon here? Do they get Nimmo? Are they able to solidify these other positions here throughout free agency? Then that changes things. But right now, I don't know. It, it, I just... I guess maybe it's just that I wanted to see the San Francisco Giants graphic rather than the Yankees graphic this morning and make it a little bit more interesting throughout free agency. Maybe that's my opinion on this whole thing. But again, I, I totally see what you're saying is that Aaron Judge is the is the is a top three ba- top three player in all of baseball. Probably going to be for the next two to three years and then maybe fall off a little bit. But again, I, I wish that it wasn't in New York. I do. I really, really do. And maybe it's just my uh Inner hatred towards the Yankees, but we'll get off that soap opera right now. Okay, so Yankees make that move, big move, of course, through the AL East, but then really, really interesting day with the Red Sox because they signed the two relievers with Kenley Jansen and Chris Martin to, to fulfill their bullpen needs. Bullpen in 2022 was at a 4.9, uh, 4. excuse me, 4.59 ERA, bottom five of the entire MLB when it came to, or the league last year. Uh, in reference to their bullpen. So they obviously are trying to solidify those needs right there and trying to make it more of an appealing situation for a guy like Rafael Devers and, of course, a guy like uh, Xander Bogarts, who is still in free agency. The biggest move they made was this guy out of Japan by the name of, and I might butcher it here, folks, so I apologize, Mazataka Yoshida. Is that how you say it? Um, I'm pulling it up right now. Need you here, man. I need you here. Because if I butchered that, that's bad. M-A-S-A-T-A-K-A. Mazataka. Yeah, Mazataka Yoshida. Beautiful. All right, we got it down. Five years, 90 million from Japan. 29-year-old player. Crazy stats he had here in 2022 in the MVP League in Japan for the Oryx Buffaloes. What a name, dude. What a name. 449 on base percentage. The highest in MLB last year was Aaron Judge. Now, of course, folks, to make it clear, the pitching in the MLB is going to be more difficult than they see over in Japan, but still very, very impressive in reference to what in reference to what he did. 80 walks to 40 Ks. The MVP league does play 143 games, so there is sufficient data there to back it up. What's also interesting, too, and I did not know this, Christian, and this is just a quick side note, is that the Boston Red Sox had to pay a $15.4 million fee to the Oryx Buffaloes in order to bring them over. I did not know that there was an almost like an initiation fee to bring them over. But now, I mean, this outfield with Alex Verdugo, and now you add uh, Yoshida, you have some of these other players in the outfield. You got guys like Bobby Dahlbeck. You got guys like J.D. Martinez, of course, with um, Rafael Devers. Like, this lineup is starting to look like something that might play here in 2023. From the Red Sox perspective, Christian, 
right off the top, is this a move that you're saying this is to bring back Bogarts, or this is a these are moves for their future? They're moves for the future, for sure. And one okay. of the things to yeah. consider with this, um, the the Japanese player signing uh, Yoshida, is sometimes those guys when they come over are hit and miss. I mean, we've seen a few guys that have come over in recent years that haven't done so well. And then we've seen, you know, the Otanis who come over here and do great right away. So, um, you know, your Cubs did something similar a couple years ago with Seiya Suzuki, and it took him a little bit longer than I think people thought it might just to get into rhythm. But, um, you know, it's, it's really good baseball in that league. That's probably the second best league that, you could play in uh, is that the Nippon league over there in Japan. And so it'll be interesting if it pans out for them right away though, I think that's going to be super exciting for the Red Sox and the future of the team. Yeah. Cause right now you look at their top rank uh, prospect rankings is Marcelo Meyer, who was drafted, I believe in, this is show me right here. I believe he was drafted two years ago. He was their He was their top pick. Unbelievable shortstop. They're basically saying he is the premier, premier prospect in regards to the Boston Red Sox organization. Obviously, they're top-tier shortstop when it comes to that. So I guess I see what you're saying, Christian, because if they don't sign Bogarts, they got this kid coming up. Now these moves are solidifying the fact to keep Devers because I would rather have Devers over Bogarts because I think that you can find another Bogarts somewhere else. And now you're putting yourself in a really, really cool position because now you got guys like Tristan Cassis coming up. Some of these other players that may end up being able to solidify this team as someone that's going to be able to play against the potentially the Orioles here in a few years, be able to withstand the Yankees, and hopefully be able to battle out against the Astros and the Mariners and some of these other teams that are really starting to come together. So very interested to see what happens there. The... Tampa Bay Rays signed Zach Eflin, three-year deal, $40 million. Highest paid free agent in Rays history, as you texted me, Christian. Yep. Rays pitchers now. You got Tyler Glass now, who's coming off of Tommy John. Um, Obviously, Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs. Some other guys like Shane Baz. You got some dudes coming up for the Rays. I think the Rays had a down year last year because they got, I think they got hit with injuries quite a bit with Ronda Franco and, of course, Tyler Glass now. And with a team that is on that money ball approach, as we've seen, it's very, very difficult when your top players go down. You just really don't have any backup there in, in other positions because those players that are in those positions are there to help supplement those top-level players, as we've seen. So now you had a guy like Zach Eflin. I mean, career 4.49 ERA, but with his playoff performance last year with the Phillies, it really helped kind of you know, basically drive that future success that maybe the Rays do see, right? He had 10 innings pitched in the playoffs, four earned runs, two walks, and 12 Ks. I know that's something that's a small sample size, but Christian, I mean, your opinion here, is this good signing for the for the Rays? Like, is this something where it's like the organization's getting hyped up about? Or do you think this is just trying to fill in a hole that they needed, and because of the market now, they have to pay top dollar? I mean, it's such a raise signing. We've seen them do this a lot over the years with some of these more veteran pitchers that they get in and just hope that they kind of fill a role more so than anything. Um, you know, they've got 
a couple of young guys that you mentioned who are really good in that rotation already. And I think McClanahan is probably going to win the Cy Young next year. Um, but now you add Eflin into the mix and he gives you a nice little middle of the rotation guy who um, has had some success in the past. And I don't, I don't think it hurts them by any means. It probably doesn't help them necessarily too much, but he's not a guy that's going to come in and, um, you know, blow up a game every time he pitches. So I think it's a fine, fine Tampa Bay Rays signing. Yeah, and maybe the Rays maybe looking at it being like, hey, we can use him as kind of the Phillies used him, right, and be that kind of setup guy. Potentially comes in with that, that some of that nasty stuff, man. It really showed out in the playoffs there. Uh, really quick with the Orioles to finish out the AL is that they signed Kyle Gibson. I'm guessing more of just a veteran piece just to add to help out with guys uh, like Gunnar Henderson and some of these other players that are coming up. Oh, Gunnar Henderson. Did I say Gunnar Henderson? I am so sorry. The pitching prospect. Who's their pitching prospect, Christian? Um, oh, my God. Who is that pitching prospect? Oh, I, he's, a, he's a lefty that much, I know. Grace, uh, Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah. Oh, oh. And D.L. Hall. Yeah, D.L. Hall. That's the, That's the one I was That's what it was. About. Yes, excuse me. Not to help out Gunnar Henderson. He's going to rake anyways. Don't have to worry about that. So, Orioles signed him along with Nomar Mazzaia. I mean, big-time hitter for the Rangers four years ago, but you just never know, right? So, that finishes out the AL, folks. We now move to the NL. Let's start off with the NLE staying in the, uh, staying in the eastern part here of the U.S., of course, with the New York Mets, right? So, they lose Jacob DeGrom. A lot of people are pointing at the Justin Verlander signing as an absolute positive and the right move, right? So they signed him to two-year, $86 million, $43 million per year. Kate Upton is happy. AL Cy Young winner last year after major, major Tommy John surgery that put him out for almost that put him out for I believe it was over two years. Of course, reunited with Max Scherzer. They also signed Jose Quintana to a two-year deal. So now they're projected 2023 rotation. You got Verlander at the top. Max Scherzer is your number two. Jose Quintana, Carlos Carrasco, and David Peterson as your three, four, five, however we want to mix it there. Christian, I think you probably agree with me. I think this is an absolute, just unbelievable signing and the right move for the for the Mets. Yeah, how, how can it not be um, to sign a former Cy Young winner? I mean... You know, there's not there's not too much really to say about it. I think maybe, you know, to play devil's advocate, they could have saved that money and spent it a little bit better, maybe on a couple of younger free agent pitchers to get in there for a little bit longer than two years, um, especially since Scherzer is probably on his last contract as well as assuming this is probably going to be Verlander's last contract. Uh, they could have done that, but when you go out and set the top of your lineup with Verlander and Scherzer, two guys who could very easily find themselves in the NL Cy Young conversation at the end of the year. I mean, you can't, can't really knock it at all. Yeah. And I, and another point that was made, it was actually on made the just baseball podcast. I want to shout out those guys who are doing a great job. They were looking at why the deal was made, right? So right now you got, uh, Scherzer, he's a free agent in 2025. Verlander, now it's free agent in 2026. Carlos Carrasco, free agent in 2024. 
And then it gets a little interesting with a lot of their players. Okay, so 2026 is, or excuse me, 2025 is when Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, um, those two top-level players for them are free agents. Um, also, Edouard Escobar, Mark Canna, James McCann, Jose Quintana. So you start to open up your, really, your roster there in 2025. So with the Justin Verlander deal, now you're trying to get it where you at least have your star there for 2025, which they'll have him. So he's going to be a free agent in 2026. But for the next really two to three year period, or excuse me, the two year period is your prime time to win. And and that's an obvious statement, of course, with the Mets being in the playoffs this last year and almost winning the, the NL East. But when you look at their budget from their budget standpoint, really a lot of their contracts are done by that 2025 period and that they need to win now. So I agree with the signing because they're looking at it as saying, okay, we want to hold off from getting any, giving any major deals to some of these younger players because we want to see where we're at and seeing if we're going to end up being a rebuild potentially for the future uh, or potentially going to be looking to sign all these guys back. So crazy moves. Um, just again, Going back to what we said in the intro, folks, just a wild, wild couple of days of free agency. That trails into the Trey Turner signing for the Phillies, 11 years, $300 million. They also signed Taiwan Walker to a four-year deal for $72 million, along with Matt Strom, two-year deal for $15 million, who was an effective reliever there for the Red Sox for most of 2022. But looking at Trey Turner now, he's now they're probably going to be their two-hole hitter, um, with Harper being out there for about half the year, they needed to add a player that can put him in a position to be successful there for a little bit uh, to withstand that, obviously, that effect of not having Harper there in the lineup. But, I mean, Christian, do you see a better fit from any other shortstop, or do you see Trey Turner, be, Trey Turner being the perfect fit for uh, the Phillies? Uh, that's a good question. I think Turner, I think Turner's a good fit there, honestly. I mean, he's a guy who's going to be up up at the top of the lineup and getting himself on base quite a bit and then using his legs to get around him quick and steal a bunch of bases. Uh, defensively, you know, it is okay. I know I've hit knocked on him a little bit before in some previous episodes for the defensive play, but, um, you know, you put him at short, you move Stott over to second now and keep that, keep a nice, you know, what will be a nice core infield with them two plus bomb and, whatever they choose to do at first base moving forward. Um, so good, good signing on that one. I think the Strom signing is good. We've talked about it before that they needed to bolster that bullpen a little bit. And he's a very effective pitcher going to come in and, you know, six, seventh, eighth innings and get a lot of holds for you there. So that's good. Uh, not too keen on the Taiwan Walker signing. I think that that's a little, little bit of an overpay there and something that they didn't necessarily need to do. Um, but it takes him away from the Mets, which is your division competitor. So in that essence, I guess they do a good job there, but from a performance perspective, I think they could have probably done better on that move. Yeah. Well, it's wild too. Cause you look at their, um, looking at their budget over the next couple of years, obviously the Harper deal is there, but Wheeler's a free agent in 25, Real Muto a free agent in 26, Cassianos is a little bit further out, and then uh, Schwarber in 26 as well. But you have these contracts, so it's it's Harper, Wheeler, Real Muto, Cassianos, Schwarber, 
Nola, and Turner are your major deals. But Nola's out after 2024, so then you kind of solidify that contract now with Turner and Taiwan Walker. But it's crazy because it's like, it's almost like they still have all this money to play with. And it's just wild to me that they're still able to do the things they're doing. It almost is like the Padres are now the Phillies in reference to what they're going to be doing here for the years to come. I mean, it's absolutely insane. So Trey Turner, look, top top five shortstop in all of baseball, a guy that's going to be somebody that really impacts that offense for next year. They had stats about the shortstops from last year for the Phillies. Not just, I think they put up like a two – 38 average, and you know, of course, with Trey Turner's 301 average there in 2022. Look, he's going to be a complete upgrade, um, but we'll see. I mean, can that pitching staff and can they get back into the playoffs is the biggest thing. Can they handle the fact that Harper's going to be out, you know, for pretty much half the year? So, really interested to see what happens there for the Phillies there in 2023. Now, the other NL East moves was just uh, we want to shout out Michael Franco, Michael Franco, Michael Franco. How you he signed to Japan. That's a big move. Um, other than that, that's it, Christian. That's all we got for the NL East, man. That's all yep. we got. But, again, insane stuff that's going to happen. By the next podcast, the Braves may end up making major moves as well. We'll see. But as we've seen with the Braves, they make these these smaller contract deals that are sort of low-key. They you know position themselves for the future. So people could talk about all the Philly, all, all they want with the Phillies and and the Mets, but do not forget about the Atlanta Braves there in 2023. NL Central, my Cubbies, they signed Jamison Tyone to a four-year, sixty-eight million dollar deal. Okay, and. but and 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 Cody Bellinger, one year, seventeen and a half million. Okay, here I go. So. I don't really know what's happening here unless they sign a big-time shortstop, right? Because if they don't, then that's like, okay, are we? it's more than likely that we're bringing in Bellinger to get prospects for the future. We're bringing in Tyone because Hendricks and Stroman haven't worked out and we need somebody to handle the one-two spot, okay? So that's the way I look at it. They sign Correa, Bogarts, or Swanson, which I would think more this would lean more towards the Swanson and uh, Bogart, or excuse me, the Correa and Bogarts category. Well, now you're starting to put yourself in a position to go after Shohei Otani next year. Come on. Come on. Come, just give me a little love here. Just just let me I believe. I I, you laughed. And, and this is the problem is that we're on camera now, so I could see your reactions, which is probably good for the podcast. But... Dude, I, I just I, I really do like the moves. And, and I, I think it's because of the fact that one is that where we're at with, of course, now we're going to talk about here in a little bit with the Cardinals, but we're not in this position to be in the playoffs next year, right? And we have all these prospects that are coming up from a pitching and positional standpoint. So now 2024 is kind of that like 2015 for the Cubs that they had. And then hopefully hopefully that 2025 can somehow be that 2016 world series type run. Okay. I think they need a little bit more peace. I need a little bit, a little more juice than that. And I'm hoping that there's some prospects or potentially free agents that they sign here in the coming years that could put them in that position. I just think that the Cubs with Jed Hoyer, suppo- supposedly this whole thing that came out that Jed Hoyer 
heard from the Ricketts family that they can just open up the paycheck or the open or and and really do what they want to do. So now you have your you have a preliminary two or three guy for the next four years with Jamison Tyone because of the way that he has progressed over the last couple of years. But with Cody Bellinger, one, I don't see how he signs back for the future because now you're going to have guys like Pete Crow Armstrong, Brennan Davis. Hopefully they re-sign Ian Happ. With Suzuki in right field, you're basically kind of using him as sort of a, a, a bait piece for the trade deadline or potentially trying to get, you know, maybe your potential uh Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they try to use him for this center fielder for the future. I don't know. Jamison Tyone, 32 starts last year, 3.91 ERA, career best 4.72 strikeout to walk ratio, 94th percentile in walk rate in 2022. The Cubs do not want to walk guys in 2023 because they want to compete. And uh man, it's just it's just tough, Christian, because Hendricks is a free agent after the next year. Stroman's got a player option for next year that I hope that Gotti declines. Again, I have it written right here in capital letters. Uh, it spells out uh, Shohei uh, with two exclamation points. So that is the utter goal. Maybe that's the picture. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. I would love to hear your points on my cubbies. Please care about my feelings here for a little bit. Be considerate, which I know you won't be. But let's hear your take on the Cubs. No, I I like both of the moves. Um, I think Tyone was one of the most underrated free agent pitchers coming into this year's free agency. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. For the Cubs to go out and get him into that rotation is great for them. I mean, it was going to be great for whoever signed him, and the Cubs ended up getting him. The Bellinger signing makes a lot of sense for this year. Uh, I don't. I don't know that you had to pay him so much money, but I think for a one-year rental to kind of just say, hey, come in, see what you can do. You're getting a 26-year-old who has won an MVP, um, has won a World Series. I mean, he's done all of that. And now you put him there for a kind of one of those those years where his agent wants him to play for a bigger contract moving forward. And if that doesn't necessarily work, but he loves playing at Wrigley, then the Cubs could have him for a little bit longer than maybe just the one year. Or he does well and loves playing at Wrigley, and the Cubs could keep him for a few more years. So it's a it's a risk that's going to have a lot more upside than it would any downside. So good for the Cubs for getting Bellinger. That's what I'm saying, bro. That's what I'm saying. Dude, I, I, I truly believe that Cody Bellinger was in a situation in L.A. where they are the number one team in all of baseball. He needs to perform. He's in a situation where that prospect system is a top-tier prospect system in all of baseball. And all the pressure in the world, he comes off that MVP year. Now, he gets to go to Chicago. Low expectations for next year. He's got dad energy now. He's got dad strength. Okay, that's a big point we need to make here. All right, that's a big, big point of that contract deal that came out. Also, too, I think the reason why they had to give him a lot of money, honestly, 
is that I think he was considering somewhere else, and they were like, honestly, we have the money, so let's just put five mil on top of this. If we're going to do a one-year deal, we'll add a little bit more. We'll give you what you want. We want to see if this is something that can work out. I think they truly see that they can try, They could probably trade him at the deadline. I do. So, my Cubbies, again, this is a team that has been rumored with a lot of the other big-time free agents, guys like Carlos Correa, Alexander, uh, and, of course, Dansby Swanson. Really interested to see here, of course, over the next couple of weeks. Now with the winter, or excuse me, with the with the meetings being over, might slow down here a little bit. So we'll see if this transpires over here the next week, or we're going to be looking at potentially into January and February before these moves are made. Uh, Cardinals sign uh, Wilson Contreras, five year, eighty seven and a half million. Okay, on to the Brewers. So, wait, 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 wait. What do you think about the Contreras signing? That's a good signing for the Cardinals. Um, I, uh, um, I was going to talk about the Brewers getting Jesse Winker. Um, uh, well, the Cardinals, over. the Cardinals get a catcher who's a good two-way <laughs> catcher. He, I mean, obviously great defensively, calls a fantastic game. His offensive stats are great. You know, one of the better offensive performing catchers in the league. Uh, they needed, obviously, to replace Yadier Molina, and why not do it with somewhat of a younger version of him in Wilson Contreras? And that's all we have to say about it. Now we can move to the Brewers. Yeah, honestly, though, I, I and I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, I didn't mean to pass him over, I promise. Uh, um, I absolutely did. The Look, like the Cardinals, in reference to the NL Central Division, if they do not win for the next two years are a joke of an organization, okay? Because you now have you have the the top third baseman and top first baseman in the NL, okay? Because of last year, you know, if I'm going off last year's stats, now you add a guy who the when it comes to Wilson Contreras, one of the all I've heard from all his teammates is one one of the best teammates. To a guy that would go to war for you any day, will will jump in the middle of a fight in any aspect. Like the top, the type of guy that, like from Christian, you and I, from like playing college baseball and uh, being a part of obviously the the team aspect, is a guy that you want on your team. Right at the end of the day, you want a dude that is going to frighten another team, and he has that ability. And look, he's going to be a dominant force. He's going to probably hit some. You know, he's probably going to have two to three homer games against the Cubs every weekend. He's probably going to put in his first game out there in Wrigley Field. The first time he's out there, he's probably going to have a three homer game with seven RBIs, and you know, kiss the crowd and everything. And it's going to, you know, it's going to be horrible. But I think at the end of the day, if I'm looking at this as a non-biased guy, the Cardinals make an unbelievable uh, free agent signing. I know this is somebody that was connected to the Astros for quite some time. Once I saw the first rumor that came out that he was connected to the Cardinals, Christian, I'm not going to lie. I should have bet. I should have went to Vegas and put a bet of all my life savings on the fact that he was going to be with the Cardinals. Because it was just too obvious of a, a of a place for him to go. He's going to go to a city that loves baseball. They love the Cardinals. You saw that in the playoffs last year. and You've seen for years and years and years. This is a guy who's going to a team that's going to be in an unbelievable position. All I can say is, is Cardinals, please, 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 please do not sign one of these top free agent shortstops. Or my entire Cubs take is completely thrown out of uh, proportion at this point. So, again, super happy for Wilson. 
I'm going to miss him dearly. Um, but please, just have against one team this year, just make sure you take a couple off days when you're in Chicago. Go enjoy time with your family. You don't need to play at Wrigley. It's okay. All right? That's all I have to say. Back to the Brewers. They get Jesse Winker in the deal from the Mariners along with the Pirates. They signed Vince Velasquez, who had a rough year with the White Sox, but maybe turns it around with now being with the Pirates. That rolls out the NL Central. Last division here, going through the rest of the teams. Kind of the most boring division in reference to free agency so far has been the NL West. Okay, so looking at the moves that are made, the Giants made an underrated uh, move with adding Mitch Hanniger. Excuse me, three-year deal, $43.5 million. Uh, he's a lifetime 123 OPS guy. He's had injuries over here the last couple of years. Saw some articles and saw some notes saying it was more of like fluke injuries when it came to some of the stuff that happened in 2019 and 2021, um, along with 2022. But, I mean, from our perspective, Christian, this was a guy that we talked about as somebody that would be an underrated move for pretty much any team that really needed an outfield bat. Yeah, we did. We did talk about that. And I think it's a, a great move. I mean, you're getting a guy with so much upside who can – get plugged into the middle of the lineup and be able to hit maybe 30 plus home runs um, in a season. And I think that that's an exciting move that could propel them to maybe make a little bit more of a push to try and get into the playoffs come the end of the year. Yeah. Rolling out the rest of the moves here. um, Kind of just staying on the giants and the Dodgers, right? Both teams that, are in discussions with other players trying to make a move. Supposedly this whole take came out today or this report that the Dodgers won't sign Carlos Correa because of the issues that he had with the cheating scandal with the Astros. Oh man, Dodgers fans, I'm sorry. Like you just have to get over it because if you're trying to win in the future, the Padres are literally spending as much money as they absolutely can. They're willing to give Trey Turner more than what the Phillies offered, and they were willing. I supposedly an offer came out that was to the Aaron Judge for four hundred million. So, Dodgers, I get it. You want to stay with the prospect system standpoint, but man, you better watch out for next year because the Padres are humming. So, rolling out the rest of the moves, Rockies they signed Cole Tucker, uh, former first round pick for the Pirates in twenty fourteen, a guy that, in my opinion, Christian maybe just needs a change of scenery. I mean, from your perspective as a Rockies guy, I mean. Do you see this as a good move? No, not really, actually. I mean, <laughs> we've got, you know, there's two two really young shortstops that we already have in the organization, in Ezekiel Tovar and Alan Trejo, who Trejo played sparingly last year and did fine as a plug-in piece. Um, but, to- I mean, Tovar is coming up is the real deal. So... Why? Why? It, it just doesn't make sense. I don't get it. That's not where money needs to be going, even if it's such They're a saving for Shohei, signing, dude. That's, They're saving for Shohei. Yeah, yeah save it for Shohei. Um, <laughs> it, no, why, why do that? That's uh, Yeah, good for the Rockies. <laughs> Way to make a splash. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, folks, that rolls out. I mean, this podcast went 55 minutes. I thought it was going to go 30, but 
just a lot with a lot of these moves. I mean, these are potentially you know franchise changing moves, change the altercations for next year and years to come. Some teams are really, really building up for the future while some teams want to win now. And of course, a lot of these rumors coming out, like we mentioned with teams like the Padres and some of these other teams that are just throwing out money left and right. Never seen money like this in reference to free agency in my life. So super excited to see what this kind of turns baseball into for years to come and hopefully creates an experience for fans to continually come out and watch these games because, man, it's it's getting absolutely insane. So... Before we sign off here, Christian, anything to add in your dress shirt, your slick back hair, anything to add here before we sign off, brother? I know. I got to get back to work after this. But thanks, everybody, for uh, for tuning in. It's been exciting free agency so far. I'm excited to see where some of these other pieces fall that have not signed yet. Um, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully the Rockies will do something productive in the next week before we get back on here and then i can be excited and the cubs sign correa all right thanks everyone for tuning in super excited to see what happens here for the rest of the free agency just like christian said we'll continually keep you guys posted and of course be putting out episodes every single week as we've been really enjoying this we thought we the world series hangover would potentially roll onto our podcast and not be able to do this, but man, this has just turned into even more of an exciting thing for us. So folks, thanks so much for tuning in. Looking forward to the next episode next week. And as always subscribe uh, to both our uh, Spotify and Apple podcast. You can find through our Instagram or Twitter page. Thanks everyone. And we'll talk to you here soon.